it amazes me to see the people that God uses. The kind of people that God uses. And, and I can say that because I have to look in the mirror every day. And I think, how in the world, God, could you use someone that is messed up and is complicated as I am? But I'm sure you have that same conversation at times. Hopefully not about me, but about yourself. That surely, God, there must be something else that you have going on that, that you would choose me. But, but the fact is, God does use you. God uses you every day. God uses people from all walks of life. And too often we think and pray for God to use people who are already uh, of influence. They might have celebrity status or they might have a lot of push. And we think, oh, if that, if that famous person could just be saved and share the gospel. If we could just have another Billy Graham, if, if this athlete or if, if this celebrity or if this government official, if this, if this person would just get on fire for the Lord, there would be all kinds of gospel breakouts all over the world. And the, the truth is, is that God often is not looking for those that are already famous. Because if he uses people that are already famous, they would be tempted to take the credit for themselves. But yes, it is special to see famous people on their platform sharing the news of Christ. We hear athletes give God glory after a win. We hear uh, actors and, and different people in Hollywood at the award shows giving credit, some giving credit to God for whatever award that they have won. Uh, but in doctors giving credit for things that, that they cannot explain. It is, yes, special to see God get the credit from people who have influence. But the, the truth of it is, God rarely, and I mean rarely, calls popular, rich, and successful people to further His ministry. But rather, He would use those that are broken and those that are faithful. So from an outsider's perspective, as we look at this, we can see that it didn't matter where people were from, what they had done, or who they had used to be. Jesus used people for the good of His will. And don't believe me? Here's a little tour of some of the people that you will find in your Bible of unlikely people that God used to do great things. Abraham was extremely old. He would make the oldest people in our sanctuary look like infants. He had a lot of age on him. He was in his hundreds. And he had a baby. Now, if that happened today, somebody would be rich, wouldn't they? That doesn't happen. But back then, God used him to be the father of his chosen people. Joseph, he, when he was younger, he was a little bit cocky. And he was also abused by his family. Job, he is a man that lost everything. Moses, he had a speech problem. Samson, there's no way other way to say it. He was a womanizer. Jacob was a cheater. David was a murderer. Jonah ran from God. Peter denied Christ three times. And the disciples, they fell asleep in the garden when they were supposed to be praying at a time when Jesus needed them the most. <coughs> Don't forget Paul. 
He was the man that killed Christians when he was in the Jewish Sanhedrin. He would persecute and kill Christians. Imagine how God used that for His glory. We look at the life of the men and women that God used. And from an outsider's point of view, it wouldn't make sense. But today we are going to look at a woman that God used that most of you and most of our people that are in our circle of influence, most of our people would have written off. Yes, we're going to see a woman that is used that a lot of times the church wouldn't even let come in the door. Because isn't it great to know, though, that even though some churches wouldn't have let this woman in, that God loved her even more. Her name was Rahab, and she was a prostitute. So if you are here this morning and you think that there is no way that God can use you to do anything because of your past, I want you to think again. I want you to know that God is not looking for perfect people. Say that with me. God is not looking for perfect people. One more time. God is not looking for perfect people. If you can ingrain that in your head, you will understand that God has a plan for you and everybody that comes into this world, into your circle of influence, God has a plan for them. Do not write somebody off because God is not in the business of looking for perfect people. He is looking to make people perfect. Through Jesus Christ, the author and the what? Perfecter of our faith. That is why God sacrificed His Son, Jesus, so that you could come to Him today. You are not off God's radar, my friend. He sees you. He loves you. And He has a plan for you today. So before we jump into the text, let me give you a brief reminder of where we are. Last week we read about Moses' passing. Joshua, who had apprenticed and mentored, was mentored by Moses for 40 years, is now the leader. God has installed him as the new leader of the Israelites. And they are about to take the land that God had promised to their ancestor, Abraham. Joshua had been part of the, search, the first search party 40 years earlier that said, everything looks great, but these guys, these armies are too big, we can't take them. So they didn't believe God could deliver them, so God let them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. So here they are again. He and Caleb were the only two of the 12 that were sent out that gave a positive report on that first scouting trip. They said it would not be easy, but they could do it with God being for them. Forty years later, you see Joshua leading another spying expedition into the promised land, yet the intent is much different. Before the first scouting expedition, the question was, can we take the promised land? This spying expedition that we're going to see today is not, can we take the promised land? It's, we're going to take it. Where do we start? Big difference in purpose. So, we too can take on the world today and possess the promised land, the promises of God that He has before us, but we must have faith in God and we must have faith in one another. So as they approached Jericho, it was the most important 
Canaanite fortress, the biggest obstacle to them possessing the promised land that God had given them. It was a stronghold directly in the path of those advancing Israelites who had just crossed the Jordan River. So let's, let's pick up our passage. Let's read verses 1 through 7 because we see God will use the faith of people where they are. God, you say, I don't have anything to give God. I'll, I'll give something to God when I'm a little better off financially, when, when I'm not so tired, when, when I get this done, or, or, you know, I'll wait. If I'm young, I'll wait till I'm older to live for the Lord. God wants you right where you are now. It says, Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Achia Grove, and he instructed them, Scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men sent out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there for the night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy on the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men But she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. So they left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossing of the Jordan River as soon as the king's men had left the gates of Jericho were shut. Well, let's take a look at a few things that we can pull out of this text. First of all, I want you to see that Rahab, she didn't have much, but she had her home. The first thing we see is Rahab opened her home. God called Rahab to offer what she had for His glory, even though she didn't realize it at the time. Some of you in here, you've got a lot. Some of you, you don't have much. But it doesn't matter how big your wheelbarrow is. He wants what's in it. And you can use it for His glory. At this point, Rahab wasn't even a woman of faith. She was a woman of the night. They had a lot of hang-ups. But she knew that this interruption in her life had something bigger plan for her life. So all of the places, all of, of all the places for Joshua to hide, why would he have hidden in a house of a prostitute? Well, first of all, the location. Her house was actually built into the city wall. So at her windows, if they had to escape quickly, they could jump out the window and be outside of the city gates. So that was one reason that they chose that position. Number two was information. Anybody of any political power in Jericho would have been through her house, if you know what I mean. A lot of people talking, a lot of word on the street. So if there were information to be had about who were the influential leaders, where were the military, who, what, what were the weaknesses, this was the place to get that information. And of course, number three, that God led them to that location. But then we have a, a, a thing here, and I call it a thing because it's a thing. Here we see Rahab lied to protect Joshua. So is the Bible saying it's okay to lie? Woo! 
Is the Bible saying it's okay to lie? Rahab told a lie. So why can't we lie? Oh, I don't lie. I'm just not going to tell them the whole truth because I don't want to hurt them. Bull-loney. We don't tell the whole truth and we lie not because we don't want to hurt somebody, because we don't want to have to hurt or we don't want to have to be in an awkward situation. But what does the Bible say about this? The Bible, you will find nowhere in the Bible where it presents an instance where lying is considered to be the right thing to do. Matter of fact, the ninth commandment says that we should not bear false witness against our neighbor. In other words, we should not lie against our neighbor. Proverbs 6 says, A lying tongue is one of the seven abominations, or the seven deadly sins. So, Rahab's lie to protect the Israelite spies, in uh, verse 5, you see in nowhere here where God approved of her lying. Again, think of her background. Think of the city that she was in. Think of her upbringing. She was just doing what, what she knew. She was looking out for herself. And you will not find any verse in the Bible that states that lying was the right thing to do here. However, God's purpose was advanced through this. My friend, if she had not have lied, if she had said, yes, they are in here and they're right over there, God still could have delivered them. God could have done whatever he wanted to do. But she does tell a lie here. And then Rahab's lie was a profession of something. It was a profession. Why was she protecting those spies? She didn't have a dog in the fight, did she? Well, we're going to find out why in just a minute. Um, we see that uh, Rahab was lost, therefore her actions were not always the best, but God was working on her heart. So uh, we go on and we see that uh, the implication of Rahab's lie, God forgave Rahab because of her faith and her actions. And the second thing was they were in a wartime scenario. There is nothing uh, that would keep us from giving the enemy the wrong information so that our, our men and women do not get compromised. And so there was, there was a war going on during this time. So we, we need to understand that we need to be patient with those who are finding their way to faith. It's not always pretty, and it is not always convenient, but it's honest. What am I talking about? You know somebody that has prayed to receive Christ, they've walked down an aisle, or they've, they've, uh, they've, they've prayed with a, a preacher, or they've prayed with a family member, and they say, yes, I'm a Christian, and they hadn't been a Christian but about two or three days, and before you know it, they're cussing like they used to, they're doing other things like they used to, except now they're feeling really bad about it. And some people say, oh my goodness, you were saved yesterday, you shouldn't be talking like that. Folks, when a lot of you older folks are growing up, People knew how to act in church. They knew you don't wear hats. They knew you wear your best clothes. They knew that you're always on time. And any time the doors are open, that you need to be there. Folks, our culture is not there anymore. Ties are not definitive on whether you're a Christian or not. Yes, there will be some people that will wear a hat in church because they don't know you're not supposed to. Just like nowadays, people will go see the moving pictures that y'all used to talk about. The movies. And there are some Christians that play cards. 
You know, all these other things, these little religious things that we used to come up with. Folks, when someone gets saved, they are totally saved, but they have to be in this process of sanctification, of, of getting better, of understanding and of growing. And we must disciple them. But Rahab knew she needed to protect those spies. And so my question is here, would you be brave enough to say, God, I do not have much, but whatever I have is yours to be used? God, I do not have much, but whatever I have is yours to use. That was what Rahab was doing. Again, I'm not putting her up at this point as the pinnacle of what a Christian should be, but I'm telling you, as someone who God is working on, she made herself available. The second thing we see is that people will know God is their answer even when they do not see it. People will know God is their answer even when they do not see it. Let's read verses 8 through 16. He says, Before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up to the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. And check this out. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. And verse 10 is a key. It says, We have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. Folks, this is a 40-year-old story. And they're still, the people that are not Christians, the people that are afraid of the Israelites, they're afraid of them because they heard about what happened in the Red Sea. The Red Sea is more powerful to Israelites' enemies than the Israelites because they were the ones that have been wandering. But we see here that they bring that up, that she brings that up. And then in verse 11, she says, No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. And check this out. Everybody look at the second half of verse 11. For the Lord, what? Your. For the Lord, your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth Below, What we see here is a woman who says, I'm not there yet, but I see something in your Lord, and I know that He is the one that ought to be worshipped. You are seeing the conversion of a woman that is going to be used mightily by God. At this point, she's not there yet. (coughs) But she knows enough because of the stories, and she knows that the Israelites are people that she needs to be scared of, not because they are scary, but the Lord God that they serve is the one true God. And I don't want to release all my thunder, but by the way, when you go back and you look in Matthew at the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the family tree, you will find Rahab's name. God had a plan for this woman. And at this moment in the story, we see her trying to figure it all out. And then so... After verse 11, we keep on, it says, verse 12, Now swear to me that by, by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live, along with my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and their families. We offer our own lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep your promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the tower wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. 
Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then they will have returned. You can go on your way. Why did Rahab protect the enemy? She gives us insight to her motive and the pulse of the people. The the Canaanites knew that God was powerful. The Canaanites knew about the Red Sea. And for 40 years, God had given the people of Canaan, the people of Jericho, the Canaanites, had given them 40 years (coughs) to repent or to respond. Yet they did not. Let me ask you something. It's been over 2,000 years since Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And people still refuse to repent and turn to Him. Do you think 2,000 years is long enough? People will say, oh, God is a God that loves people won't send people to hell. A God that loves people won't let bad things happen. God that loves people will let everybody decide to follow Him. Everybody will get heaven. Folks, He's given us 2,000 years. Do you think that's fair? God is not a bully. He gave the people of Jericho the message of His power and the time to make their decision and the opportunity to turn to Him. But they refused. Is it fair that God places a time limit on His offer of salvation? Absolutely it's fair. Knowing God in your heart is one thing, but believing Him is another. Take one more look at verse 11. It says, No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord, your God, I can't say you're enough, your God is the supreme God of the heavens above the earth and below. The people of Jericho knew knew about God. They just didn't believe. Rahab knew about Israel. Knew about God. And she feared God. She said her heart was melting. Let me ask you something. Whose side do do you place your faith in today? God used this instance to reach Rahab. Better yet, Do people see the power of your God in your life today? A majority of you in here are Christians today because of the influence of somebody on your life. It might be a family member, it might be a friend, it might be a preacher, but their faith in their God made something in you say, whatever you got, I want. And so, folks, as we live our life today, we need to live a life of victory. Live a life and remember that we do serve a God that split the Red Sea. We do serve a God that sent His Son to save us from our sins. We do serve a God that is going to split the sky. That Jesus is going to return and take us back to where He is. We serve a powerful and risen Savior. We serve a powerful God. We need to let people know it in our actions, in our speech, in the way that we treat other people. So when people see us, they will say, I see your God and I'm fearful and I want Him. That's how we need to live. We can learn that from the Israelites. We can see that there are thousands of Rahabs 
in our community that are looking for someone to be real, that are looking for someone to say, look, I understand they're not perfect, but I see something in their life that I want. But our world would be wise to learn from the Canaanites today. Our world would definitely be wise to learn from the Canaanites today because, number one, the Canaanites, they believed in God because they feared Him. That's why they were afraid of the Israelites is because of the God that they served. Number two, they knew that they were sinful. The third thing is, is they knew that judgment awaited them. And the last thing, yet they were unwilling to repent. The people that are going to die and go to hell are the people that are holding on to everything in their life. They want to be the God of their own life. They don't want to admit that they are a sinner. And they are going to take their own self-security all the way to eternity and perish forever because they are too pig-headed to repent. And why are they like that? It's because we are not giving to the message nor the example to show him something different. Rahab opened her home because that's all she had. But Rahab also obeyed in her newfound faith. We see in verses 17 through 24, God gives an opportunity for everyone to take a step of faith. God gives an opportunity for everyone to take a step of faith, no matter where they are. Folks, the story of Rahab is a beautiful picture of salvation. When you hear the good news of Jesus Christ and all that he has done for you, it's not only to believe, but it's also to act upon Trusting God means acting on that trust. If we say we trust God, that means we must act on that trust. Let me read to you James chapter 2, verses 25 and 26. It says, and it's, it's actually directly quoting here, Rahab the prostitute, now remember this is James talking, the founder, one of the founders of the first church, the half-brother of Jesus. She says, Rahab the prostitute is another example She was shown to be right by God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, also faith is dead without good works. Rahab could have believed every day until the cows came home. I don't even know where that saying came from. I'm going to have to Google that. Until the cows come home. I don't don't understand that. I, I know cows get out. But uh, have you ever been going down the road and run into a cow? It's not pretty. Okay, sorry. Back on track. Anybody ever go cow tipping? No. That can hurt a cow. But until the cows come home. Until the cows come home. Joshua and the spies made a promise to Rahab. She made a promise to Rahab. Let's read verses 17 through 21. Because they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken. Only if you follow these instructions, when we come into the land, you must leave. Now, if I were you, I would underline this or memorize this or just make a note here because it's going to play a huge significance if you go as far as chapter 6 where it talks about you must 
leave the scarlet rope hanging from the window which you let us down from. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. So bring all of your family into your questionable establishment and put a scarlet rope outside the window. That way we know when everything is destroyed that we will make sure that we look out for you. He says, but if anyone lays a hand on the people inside the house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. But if you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. Rahab says, I accept your terms, she replied, and she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. I could preach a whole other sermon off of that, but I'm telling you, that's huge. The spies went up to the hill, country, and stayed there for three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down front of the hill country, crossed the Jordan, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. And the Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for the people in the land are terrified of us. Joshua and the spies made a promise to Rahab. We see that in verse 21, and there is an extreme significance of the scarlet rope. We will see that later on. But Rahab's faith enabled the Israelites to possess what God had promised them. Remember, we talked about last week, the key word of Joshua is the word possession. God promised this land for them, but they had to work to possess it. It took faith. You, my friend, this Bible is filled with promises about how to live a godly life. But you can't just and get it to get in your head like that. You can't, oh, come into my heart. I'm reading the Word. It doesn't work like that, does it? We have to read it. We have to meditate on it. And we have to claim it. I think of Jody singing that song just a few moments ago about it is well with my soul. It is well does not mean things are perfect. It is well means that when everything goes crazy, that God is your anchor. That God is the one you hold on to. That you claim those promises through faith. The report from the spies here is entirely different than the first report 40 years ago, is it not? It is not a question of whether or not they're going to go into the land, because they are going. The Lord has given the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land are terrified of us. But folks, I praise God that we have not seen the last of Rahab. Regardless of Rahab's living condition, God reached her and gave her an opportunity to find her faith and use her in bringing of our Messiah into the world. Do not think for one minute that God cannot reach you or use you right where you are at with what you have. The only thing, what is the one thing that God needs from you? One thing, your heart. Your heart. Do not think for one minute that God cannot teach you or use you. Believe today and act on that belief. 
Joshua was Rahab's savior. In every sense of the word, Joshua was Rahab's savior. And Jesus is yours. If you just repent and believe. God loves you and he has a plan for your life today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that we have already studied your word this morning. And we can see that, Lord, you used one of the most unlikely people in the world to usher in the coming of your son. To usher in the promised land for your people. Lord, let it be an encouragement and a motivator to the people in this room today. The Lord, it's not about where they came from. It's not even about all their baggage. They can leave their baggage at the door because all you want is their heart. The only thing that will disqualify them from your love is rejecting you. So I pray that you use those that are here, that if there's one lost, that thinks, I didn't come here to church to do business today with you, but today I see that I am lost. And like Rahab, I I believe, but I haven't ever really put my trust in you. If that's you, I encourage you that when I step down, that, that you would come forward, we would pray, and we could get you started on this journey of being a Christian. Maybe there's many believers here today that have thought, well, there's not much I can give God, or I've given Him all that i got. Lord, I pray through Your Holy Spirit, You show them what their next step is. Maybe someone wants to rededicate their lives, join the church, get baptized, whatever their decision may be. This is the time for them to come forward when they stand and respond. For it's in Your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand?